All right, if you've got your Bibles, and I hope you do, turn with me to Matthew chapter 23. Matthew chapter 23. And I want to warn you, and I'm going to say it at the outset, for those of you, I don't want to disappoint anybody, but this is not a typical Mother's Day sermon. This is not anywhere close to what most people will preach on a, on a Mother's Day. Most of the time you'll get a passage on, on godly mothers, something thanking mothers, and, and that's okay, that's fine, but that's not normally how we do things. Uh, we usually just go to the next verse that we were going to preach. And that's what we're going to do here this morning with Matthew 23. And, and in Matthew 23, and I, I almost went to a Mother's Day sermon because this is not a soft and tender sermon. This, this I, I told Steph earlier this week, this, is, this sermon this morning is like a baseball bat to the face. That's, that's what this is. This is very harsh. It's serious. It's, a, it's one of the most serious warnings in the entire Bible, and it just happened to land on, on Mother's Day. But I think it's something that we all need to hear. It's something we all need to pay attention to. We need this warning. And it's a warning, just starting out here, it's a warning of the extreme danger of hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is one of the most dangerous things that can ever infect a church. And we need to hear this warning today. We don't want any hypocrisy to, to form inside our lives or in our church. So we need to hear the extreme danger of hypocrisy. So let's, let's all stand together. I'm going to read to you three verses today. So, I mean, we're going to make this very short, very, very quick. Uh, three verses. And the title is, again, The Extreme Danger, The Extreme Danger of Hypocrisy. And, and I'll say this. We don't have a word for you today. We've got the word for you today. As we open it up, let's read the Word of God and look at the extreme danger of hypocrisy. And this is something we all need to watch out for in all of our lives. Uh, If you don't know what hypocrisy is, you'll know by the end of the sermon. Matthew 23, verses 13 through 15. And this is just the beginning of Jesus preaching on hypocrisy. Verse 13, it says, But woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. For ye neither go in yourselves, neither suffer ye them that are entering to go in. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayer. Therefore ye shall receive greater damnation. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you can pass sea and land to make one proselyte, and when he is made, you make him twofold more the child of hell than yourselves. This is serious language. It's been said that this is the most serious language that Jesus used in the entire Bible. So we need to hear this warning, and we need to watch out for hypocrisy in our lives. So let's pray, and we'll look at the extreme danger of hypocrisy. Father, we, as we open up your word, we ask for your help. Uh, God, I know this is a very serious passage, and it's something that, that means that we all need to do some soul searching. We all need to pay attention. We all need, need to be on the edge of our seats We all need to be taking notes saying, God, if there's any of this in me, get rid of it. This is dangerous. I don't want it in me. We don't want it in our church. We don't want to raise little hypocrites in our families. We want to be the real deal. So God, please teach us these truths. Help us to hear this warning of the extreme, very extreme danger of hypocrisy in our lives. So teach us these things today, please, by your spirit. And we ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. I know most of you have heard, if not everybody in here, has heard of a Trojan horse. 
Uh, it's, it's a famous story in, in history of a military trick that was used by, by a Greek army going up against a, a, a Troy. And they had tried for 10 years to go to war against Troy, and they couldn't get inside the walls. Uh, Troy had built walls around their city that nobody could get in. I mean, these things were thick. They had an army on top of the walls. And, and for 10 years, they tried to, to breach those walls and just couldn't overcome them. So they got to the point where they were almost about to give up. And somebody, somebody really smart, somebody really wise, sat down and said, I've got an idea. And here's the idea. Let's build this huge horse, and it'll be a wooden horse, and it'll be hollow on the inside. You guys have heard this before, but I'm going to tell it just because I like it. So on the inside, it'll be hollow, and there'll be no, no, nobody in there. And, and we'll roll it up to the gates, and we'll tell them, we've given up. We're done. You've beat us. Here's a gift to you uh, for being such a, a great army. And so they rolled that big old huge Trojan horse up to the, to the gates. And, and, and they looked at it and said, wow, what a gift. And they all said bye and left. And, and they just pulled that old Trojan horse inside their city walls. Shut the door of the city walls. Celebrated all night long. I mean, they were having a good old time. They were just, uh, just enjoying themselves. And then they all fell asleep. And you guys know what happened. They had stuffed their entire army inside that Trojan horse. And when they all fell asleep, they all come out, attacked the city, and the war was over just like that. This Trojan horse had been the way to overcome one of the mightiest cities in the land. You say, why are you telling us this? Because a Trojan horse has become a, a representative of a sneaky, deceptive, and even dangerous attack on somebody. And, and the question is, what would you say is the Trojan horse of the church? That, the, that is on the outside and, it, and is trying to get inside the church so that it can attack us from the inside out and completely and totally wipe us out and destroy us. What would be the Trojan horse of the church? That if it got in, it would destroy us. Something that if it got in, it's extremely dangerous, it's extremely sneaky, something that we would be inviting the enemy into our midst. And I think you already know the answer because there's a lot of things that we could say. We could say politics within the church. We could say persecution on the outside of the church. You could say uh, the influence of the world getting in the church. And all these are good answers, but only one answer gets an entire sermon from Jesus. Only one answer at the last week of the life of Jesus. When he could have preached on anything he wanted to preach on. This is his last public sermon. And he could have decided, I'm going to preach on salvation. He could have said, I'm going to preach on politics. I'm going to preach on social justice. I'm going to preach on being being aware of the worldly influence around you. I could preach on anything I want to preach on, but he chose one topic. And this one topic, I believe, is the most dangerous thing that can come within the church. Jesus is warning his disciples and he's warning the church throughout history, don't let hypocrisy into your church. This is uh, the sin of hypocrisy. And I, and I believe it's dangerous because it is a soul-damning sin. And Jesus here in this passage, we're going to look at it. Starting in verse 13, he turns directly to the most religious men of the day. In verse 1, you see there, and I want you to see it in your Bibles. Verse 1, Jesus spoke to the multitude and his disciples. And he warned them, don't be like them. And then in verse 13, he goes from talking to the, to the multitudes and the disciples, and now he's aiming at the scribes and the Pharisees. 
And if you don't know who the scribes and Pharisees are, you can just, if you want to, you can underline that and write above it, these are the most religious men of the day. These are the ones that in our day, they'd be going to church, they'd be saying the prayers, they'd be preaching the sermons, they'd be giving a tithe, they'd be serving, they'd be doing everything within the church. The most religious people that you could ever imagine, that's who he's talking to. These people already hate him, and now he's going to stand in the temple, and looking at these religious men, he looks at them and says, you bunch of hypocrites. <laughs> Can you imagine? I mean, Jesus is going out with a bang. He, he's not, he's not uh, softening his message. I said it's like a, a baseball bat to the forehead. I mean, he's going at them. And he looks at them and says, you hypocrites. And he says it there three times. You hypocrites. You hypocrites. You hypocrites. You say, what's a hypocrite? That word hypocrite is, is, is a simple word to be an actor. You guys know what an actor is. You watch them all the time on TV and in movies. They get on a stage and they play a part. In real life, there's something else, but when they get on the stage, they're, they're playing a part. They're, they're playing somebody that they're not. And that's what a hypocrite is. It's somebody in their everyday life, there's somebody else, but when they get in front of a bunch of people, they put on a mask and they start playing a game of religion. They start putting on the mask of being religious and being holy. They're one thing on the inside and a completely other thing on the outside. They are pretenders. They're playing the religious game. They're wearing a mask, and I don't mean a COVID mask. They're wearing a hypocritical mask. Want, they want people to think one thing about them that's not true. So he looks at them and he says, you hypocrites. And then he pronounces a woe on them. You see that word woe? Verse 13, woe. Verse 14, whoa. Verse 15, whoa. Verse 16, whoa. And I think there's eight, eight woes here. And that word woe, and, and I wanted to, to say it to you in the, in the Greek, but it, it's just, it, it's, it's hard to say. It's O-U-A-I. And, and they say that this word is, is it's pronounced the way that, it, that you, the noise that you would make when you say it. Oh, just a, just, just saying these, these, these letters. Oh, and it's a, it's a word of anger and a word of, of sadness. And, and he does it one after the other. And, and these are thunderstrikes on religious hypocrisy that he's just nailing them one after the other, time after time. Woe on you and woe on you. And it's meant to be a wake up call to them. And it's meant to be a wake up call to us all. If Jesus gives us one woe, we ought to open our eyes. But if he gives us eight, we ought to all be saying, we've got to listen to this. Eight woes? So here he goes. A warning to us all and to them of the extreme danger of, of being a hypocrite. Don't be a hypocrite. It's extremely dangerous. So as we walk our way through this, we're going to see what God thinks of hypocrites. <laughs> and it's not nice. So let's examine ourselves. Let's look at this passage and see if we have any hypocrisy in us. Because if you do, Jesus has his strongest words for you. So starting there in verse 13, I've got three points. And what I'm going to do over the next month, we're going to be talking about hypocrisy over the next month. Brandon said, how many sermons are you going to do here? I said, four or five, maybe six. He said, Shh, by the time we get done, we're all going to be saying, whoa. <laughs> oh. It's, it's a full sermon on hypocrisy. Do you think Jesus is trying to tell us something here? Don't be a hypocrite. Right before I leave, he's telling the disciples, don't be like these guys. The last thing I want you to be is a, is a hypocrite. 
Don't play the game. Don't put on a mask. Be real. So let's look at this. I want to show you the extreme danger of hypocrisy, starting with the first woe. And the, and, and the first one is, shows us that hypocrisy is extremely dangerous because it keeps people out of heaven. Is that not dangerous? And you say, how does it do that? Watch with me. Verse 13, he says, But woe unto you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites. And what that is, and again, scribes and Pharisees would just be religious. So you're going to say there, if you're going to look at it, and, and, and if you just want it very simple, woe, religious, hypocrites. That's what that is. Woe, religious, hypocrites. Four, here's the because. Here's what you do. You shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. You shut the door on them. They're trying to get to heaven. There are people, and that's what it's saying here. These, 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 these leaders thought they were the gatekeepers. They thought they had the keys to heaven so that when people come to them, they could open up the doors and say, enter in, go to heaven, find forgiveness. You can, you can be right with God. They thought they had that. They thought they knew the way. But instead, when people came looking for answers, instead when people were, were searching, when they, people were turning to God, they'd run to these religious leaders and the religious leaders would shut the door in their face. That, that's awful. That's a soul-damning sin. That when people are looking, they're not running away from God, they're running to God to try to find the answers to eternal life. And when they come to you, you shut the door on them and don't let them in. Not only does it say don't let them in, but they're not in there themselves. You hypocrites. They find the door slammed in their face. They don't enter. They become an obstacle. They become a stumbling block for people who are looking for God. Hypocrites do that. This is a soul-damning sin. And the question is, who, who would do that? That's the worst thing you can do. Somebody looking for God, looking for answers, and instead of giving them God and showing them the way, you actually, literally, slam the door in their face so they can't find God. You say, does this happen today? Or is this just something that they were doing then? And the answer is, this is alive and well today. You say, where can you find that? And, and I, I'm going to give you a couple of examples here of other religions when people are, and people do that. They, they, you have people that just, that they, they get down, maybe they have a death in the family, they start struggling, and, they, and they're, they're having a hard time, and they want to run to somebody for help, and they're looking for God. And there are millions upon millions of people who run to Islam looking for answers. Looking for God. Looking for anything to help them through life. And when they run to Islam, looking to, to Muhammad, these men stand there and close the door on them. There's no hope there. Soul damning. Or to Buddha. I mean, who runs to Buddha? He has no answers. But people are bowing before Buddha looking for answers about the afterlife. I can give you more. People run to Jehovah's Witnesses. Looking for answers and they don't have it. You want proof of that? I was in Pounds Heritage Days one time. One of the greatest events in all, all time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I told Steph yesterday riding down the road, I said, when's the Heritage Days? we got to go. I need a funnel cake. <laughs> Walk through the streets of Pound, you know, nothing better. It's like heaven on earth. <laughs> and I was walking down the streets of Pound and Steph was with me. They had this tent set up, Jehovah's Witnesses, and a big banner in their tent that said, come to us for answers. And I said, oh, I'm going to go. 
Listen, I'm going back to your mom's. I'm not, I'm not doing this. <laughs> so I walked up to these guys and I said, tell me how to get to heaven. That was my, that was, I know that's, that's not how you should do things, but I, I'm sitting there just trying to hold my smile back. Tell me how to get to heaven. And these guys said, well, let me get my boss. <laughs> You're standing there with a sign that says, come to us for answers. They went and got their boss. I said, show me how to get to heaven. Well, I, 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 I don't know. Let me find you some material. And I said, you don't know the answer to that, do you? What if somebody was genuinely walking up to them and, and genuinely wanted to know how to get to heaven and, and genuine, genuinely wanted forgiveness for their sins and they walk up and they're, they're wanting a door wide open to heaven and the Jehovah's Witnesses say, I, I don't know. I've done that to Mormons. Come knocking on my door. Start licking my chops. Give me the answer. Tell me what to do. Do I need to go to Salt Lake City? What do I need to do? Where do I need to go? Where do I turn? They don't have an answer. They're shutting the door of heaven. Religious hypocrites. The door's locked. They don't, they don't have a key. I'll tell you this. It's not just the Jehovah's Witnesses. It's not just the Mormons. It's not just the Muslims. It's not just Buddha followers. It happens in churches. I've seen it in, in Baptist churches when you walk up to a man and say, how do you get saved? How do I find forgiveness of sins? And they'll say, just do the best you can. Just be good, be moral. Or you'll hear, oh, just, you need to join the church, you need to, you need to get baptized, you need, to, you need to, to do all these different things, or repeat after me, I, do you have this checklist of things that I, that I need to do? And they give you this works-based salvation where I need to, to better myself? They're shutting the door to salvation. They're not, they're not opening it up. They, they don't have the key. Or how about this one? Not only what we say, but how we live, we can shut the door. How many times have you seen this? Where somebody wants to come to a church and find answers, but they're stuck at the front door because they think the people on the inside are nothing but a bunch of hypocrites, and I don't want to be nothing like them. You become a hindrance and a stumbling block to salvation. I'll say this, and we'll move on, because that's what they were doing. Religious hypocrites keep people out of heaven. Here's the answer. You guys are waiting for the answer? Josh, give us the answer. I'm here today looking for answers. I'm here looking for the way. I'm here looking how to, how to be right with God and how to find forgiveness. And the answer is Jesus Christ. And anyone and everyone who proclaims a way of salvation other than Jesus Christ is putting people on a road to hell. John 14, and, and I've got to go there. Uh, you guys can turn yeah, turn there with me. I, I want you to, to be involved in this. This is, a, this is a my heart to your heart. You, you need to be here with me. John 14. And, and I preached this at, at, a, at a funeral on, on Monday night. And, and I had somebody tell me, say, you need to preach this on Sunday morning. I said, yeah, I will. Yeah, John 14. I mean, watch this. I mean, here, here's, here's the way. I love this. I love that we can preach who, the way of salvation. Watch this. 
Verse four, verse one, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. So I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again. And I will receive you unto myself, that where I am, you can be there also. Then he said, I'm going to heaven, and I want you to go there too. And a great question by, by Thomas. I am so glad that Thomas asked this question. Aren't you glad Thomas asked the question? He looked at him and said, Lord, we don't know where you're going and we don't know how to get there. What's the way? And Jesus answered and said, I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life and no man gets to God but by me. There you go. I mean, there's the answer. There's what the Jehovah's Witnesses need to hear. That's what I told them. I said, you want answers? That's why Steph walked off. <laughs> you want the truth? I'll give you the truth. You've got to put your faith in Jesus Christ. That's it. That's the only way. The only way to be right with God. The only way to heaven. The only way to forgiveness is faith in Jesus Christ. Jehovah's Witnesses need to hear that. The Mormons need to hear that. The Muslims need to hear that. The whole world needs to hear there's only one way to heaven and it's Jesus Christ. We need to preach that. Hypocrites don't preach that. Real Christians preach that. Jesus has the only way. And we show the way. We open the door. I love that Jesus, the entire time He was in ministry, was doing this right here. Come on! Come on! Come to Me, all you that labor and heavy laden. And I, the way, the truth, and the life, will give you rest. At the end in Revelation, anybody thirsty, come to Me. And I'll satisfy your thirst. I love it. Steve Lawson said Jesus loved inviting sinners to Himself. And He did. That's what we do. We show the way. We invite to the way. We lead people to the way. And the way is Jesus Christ. So when somebody comes running looking for answers, we point them to in Christ alone. Amen. Your hope is found. We don't keep people out of heaven. We show people the way into heaven. Amen. Our church isn't perfect. By any stretch of the imagination. But we open the door. Don't tell me it doesn't matter where you go to church. It matters. You better have a church that opens up the door of salvation to people. I want to read you a thing. I found it this morning. You guys hanging on. This is a Mother's Day sermon. I printed it off. Just in my reading this morning. You see that? Milk, milk carton. It says missing, has a picture of Jesus on it. It says this, have you heard of Jesus? He used to be a big deal in churches. But ever since churches have decided to become purpose-driven and seeker-driven and spend their time entertaining unbelievers and stop preaching the Word of God in order to help people learn how to apply self-help tips in order to make their lives better, Jesus has gone missing in churches. They're damning people to hell if they don't preach Jesus. And it says here, if you attend a church where Jesus is still preached, please let others know so they can come hear about Him too. We don't keep people out of heaven. We show people the way to heaven. Amen. Hypocrites keep them out. Hypocrites damn them to hell. So that's point number one. Shut the door in heaven. Number two, hypocrisy is dangerous because it hurts people. The first one is it keeps, it keeps people out of heaven. The second one in verse 14 is it hurts people. Verse 14, he says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, 
So you see there, same, same, same woe, same people, same name, woe on religious hypocrites. He's saying the same thing, same bat channel, same bat time. Just repeating it again. Some of y'all won't get that, too, too young. He says, woe on you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites. But this time they're doing something different. This time it says, and this is awful, you devour widows' houses. And you make long prayers. I'm so glad it doesn't say make long sermons. <laughs> Therefore you shall receive greater damnation. They pray while they pray. They P-R-E-Y while they P-R-A-Y. Look what they do. It says they devour widows' houses. This is the worst thing you could ever imagine. Watch this. Just, just hang with me. Widows in that time, and to an extent in our time, were the weakest people in society. They were the most vulnerable. And if you think about it, I want you to think about it. I think about it, and this is, this is where we find a mother in the passage. <laughs> See? <laughs> I think she's a mother. This is in my mind. I'm picturing this woman who was was married for years upon years, and she had children, and she had grandchildren, and her husband took care of her, and her husband protected her, and her husband was there for her, and her husband husband handled the finances and everything that she needed. The way a godly marriage ought to be: the husband taking care of the wife. And at some point in all that, she may have sent her kids away and her, her grandkids away, and now it's just an empty nest with her and her and her and her husband. And, and, and at some point, her husband dies, and she's never had to deal with life on her own before. And she's left handling a home and and and, a, and probably even a, a farm, and and she probably has all this money that he's left her that she's never had to take care of before, and now she don't know what to do with it. So who does she turn to? She turns to the most respected people in society. I'm going to turn to these religious leaders. They're supposed to be shepherds. They're supposed to take care of people and to watch out for people. Surely I can trust the religious leaders. Surely I can. But when they go, when these widows would go to these religious leaders, these religious leaders would devour their houses. That word devour means to ransack their house. To loot it. We've all seen riots and looting in the past year. And they leave those cities completely destroyed. That's what this word means. Picture a burnout building. That these religious leaders would go in there pretending with the mask on that they cared for these women. They'd walk in with their robes on, with their tassels hanging long. They'd walk in with their big hats on and they'd say, Oh, we love you so much. Let, let, let me pray for you. And they'd stand there and they'd make long, long, long prayers. Sometimes they say that their prayers would go even an hour. And these widows would sit there and say, oh, they're, they're so great. And they're, they're so, they're, I can respect them. And, I, and they're going to protect me like, like my husband protected me. And, and they hand over all their finances to these men. And they hand over their, their home to these men. And they say, surely you, you'll take care of us. And these religious leaders plundered them and eat them up. They would eat their food. They'd take their money. They'd eventually even take their house and kick them out of the house. All while praying and pretending to care. And it says they will receive greater damnation. Do you see that? I believe God has a special place in His heart for the, the weakest of society. And I believe there's a greater place in hell for those who take advantage of those who are weak in society. 
You say, does that happen today? Surely not. <laughs> if you don't see this, you're not paying attention. Let's see, let me give you some examples. Con men who pose as religious leaders that prey on the most vulnerable in our society. They'll take advantage. You've got evangelists that'll do this. TV preachers that'll do this. Fake healers that'll get on TV and say, you'll be healed if you'll just send me your money. You know, they got these suits on. they got the rings that, and they got the hats. and they, got, they, the, oh, they don't wear hats. They fix their hair. They got the, you know, and their wives are sitting there with, with hair. I don't want to make fun of anybody. And they sit there on the TV and they'll say, and, you, and they, they get close to the TV. And they're like, it's like they're talking to you. And they're saying, send us money. Send me a little bit of this and I'll send you this. I'll send you this. And you'll get this. And I'll heal you through the TV screen. And you know who sends more money than anybody else? Poor little widows sitting in their homes. Devouring their life savings over a promise that they can't fulfill. I'll give you more. Catholic priests who molest little boys. The weakest of society. Preachers, you know who they, who they most often commit adultery with? Somebody they're counseling. Somebody who comes to them weak and lowly and hurting. And they walk into an office and before you know it, that preacher's taking advantage of them. The old saying in the Catholic Church in the 1500s was, as soon as a coin in the coffer rings, a soul in purgatory springs. So what does that mean? The Catholic Church in the 1500s would say, you give us money, and your loved one will get out of hell. And they built these magnificent buildings on the back of taking money from people. Hypocrites use religion for gain and hurt whoever they have to to get it. It's all about give me, give me, give me, and never about giving, giving, giving. And that can happen in pews, not just in a pulpit. When your religion becomes about what I can get out of it instead of what I can give in it, you're on the road to hypocrisy. I didn't get much out of that church service today. Well, I'm sorry, the church service wasn't for you. The church service is to, is to please God, not the people in the pews. I didn't like that sermon today. Well, I didn't preach it to you. I stand up here to preach to please God. That hypocritical religion says, what can I get out of it? Not what can I give in it? And, and that's what we ought to be. We're not in the, in the business of hurting people. We are in the business of helping people. Watch this. I, I just want you to see this and, and we'll move on. This is a great Mother's Day sermon. <laughs> True Christians see the weakest in society. They see the least in society. True, true religion sees the hurting, the helpless, the widows, the orphans, the lonely, the exploited, those that are in need, and our heart melts for them. And our heart breaks for them. And our heart goes out to them. If you don't see the weakest in society and your heart doesn't break, you're on the road to hypocrisy. And what do we do when we see these people? See, I, I got hit with this just this week as I was riding down the road and we pulled into Big Stone Gap and, and I had my boys with me and we were riding down through there and all of a sudden on the side of the road there was a man sitting there saying, need money for food. And I, the, I, Me, this is my sin, I'm confessing it. I drove by and I looked at my boys and I said, he needs to get a job. And my boys looked back at me and said, mom would have gave me money. Do you see a little bit of hypocrisy coming out in your preacher? 
that my initial reaction was, you're wrong, not you're in need. Let me read you a couple of verses and I'll move on. James chapter 1. It's a great verse. Verse 26 says, If any man among you seems to be religious, acts like he's religious, goes to church, sings in the choir, <laughs> you know, does all the religious things, but he doesn't bridle his tongue, he deceives his own heart, and his, his religion is hypocrisy. It's vain. And then it says in verse 27, Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the widows and the orphans in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. To watch out for the lowliest in society. This is, and to visit there doesn't mean you just go knocking on their door and say, how are you doing? But you see them in their trouble. You see them at the hardest point in their life. And you go to them and you love them. Don't take advantage of them. You, you love them. In Acts chapter 6, when they, they were overwhelmed with people coming to the church, they had to put deacons in just to take care of the widows. I'll give you one more and we'll move on. Matthew 25, just a couple pages over from where we were. This might be a little bit longer reading, but Matthew 25, verse 31, it says, When the Son of Man shall come in His glory, and all the holy angels with Him, then shall He sit upon the throne of His glory, and before Him shall be gathered all the nations, and He shall separate them from one from the other, as a shepherd divides the sheep from the goats. He shall set the sheep on His right, right hand, but the goats on His left. Then shall the king say unto them, on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. You see what that is? He's separating the sheep from the goats based on how you cared for the least of these. What's this? And the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when, when did we see you hungry and feed thee? Or thirsty and gave thee drink? When we saw you stranger and took you in? Or naked and we clothed you? And when we saw you sick or in prison and came to you? And the king will answer and say unto him, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as you've done it unto the least of these my brethren, you've done it unto me. Evidence of a true Christian is that you take care of those in need. Hypocrites hurt Real Christians help. And he goes on to say this, and I, I just want to keep reading it. We'll, we'll probably preach this passage in about six months. Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you took me not in. Naked, and you clothed me not. Sick, and in, and in prison, and you visited me not. Then they shall say, Oh Lord, when did we do that? And he'll verse 45, then shall he answer saying, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as you did it not to one of the least of these, you did it not to me. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment with the righteous into life eternal. Do you see the difference between even those who go to heaven and those who go to, go to hell? And it's not that you have to do these things to get to heaven. It's evidence of what God has done on the inside of your heart that a true Christian helps people in need and a fake one hurts people. A hypocrite hurts people. An honest, true, religious man helps people. 
is the heart of true religion. It's the heart of true religion that we care, and the heart of a religious hypocrite that we couldn't care less. Back to Matthew 23, and we'll, we'll finish it up. I said, first of all, hypocrisy is dangerous because it keeps people out of heaven. They keep people out of heaven. We show people the way to heaven. Number two, hypocrisy is dangerous because it hurts people. We don't hurt people. We help people. Number three, hypocrisy is dangerous because it makes people children of hell. I was just all right there. It says, woe unto you. And here, here we go again. Next verse, same as the first. We woe unto you, religious hypocrites. And it just, it just keeps hammering them. These are thunder blasts, just one after the other. And they're standing there listening to this. He's pointing his finger at them. He's saying, woe unto you, you religious pretenders, you, you phonies and you fakes. This is, this is Jesus. He's just, just hammering them. And it says, here's what they do. Here's, here's why. For you, here you go, can pass sea and land to make one convert. They would evangelize. Jonah evangelized. They sent him to Nineveh to evangelize a, a whole nation. So they were big on reaching out to people. Their evangelism would put many to shame. And it says they would even go to great lengths to go and find one person to get them right with God. I mean, they're, they're going land and sea. And that, that's what it's saying is exaggerating. This is how the lengths that you will go to to try to get somebody right with God. You'd go across land and sea. I say those things to Steph when I, I say, Steph, I love you so much, I'd climb mountains to, to be with you, you know. That's what he's saying here. You would go so far to try to get one convert, to try to see one person added to your numbers and, and, and growing your, your ranks. But when you do that, and, that, and that's evangelism, that's what it is, it's missions. You, you would go as far as you could go to get one, just one. The last people you'd ever think that would be a hypocrite is missionaries. But watch this. But when you get them converted, you can pass sea and land to get one convert. And when he is made, when he's converted, you make him worse. You make him just like you. That's what it says. You make them twofold more children of hell than yourselves. You don't just make them like you. You make them worse than you. You convert somebody and then they would. They would convert them and the first thing they would do is you've got to follow these rules. You've got to observe these ceremonies. You're going to have to put this box on your forehead and walk around with it like that. You're going to have to extend your robe. You're going to have to put a hat on. You're going to have to do all these little things, these ceremonies. We're going to have to circumcise you. <laughs> You gotta do all these things and they're, and they're, they're making them just like they are. They're making little bitty hypocrites just like them. Full fledged, legalistic, ritualistic, hair splitting Pharisees. That's what they're making here. Understand this. These converts before, they, they were lost. They were unbelievers. And then once they're converted, they are now very religious, but still lost. Now, now they think they're okay. They didn't think they were okay, and then they were converted to this religion, and now they think they're okay, but they're not okay. That's dangerous. It happens in Islam. I'm not religious, I'll convert to Islam. Now I'm religious and still lost. Mormonism, Jehovah's Witnesses, it happens in churches. Making people like us. 
You're no closer to God, no better, no heart change. You're twofold sons of hell. You're religious, but you still act like heathens. You with me? That's a twofold son of hell. And this right here is alive and well today in churches. Jehovah's Witnesses will come knock on your door and they will. We were out in the yard playing wiffle ball not too long ago and they, they got the house here. I mean, I was, I'm sitting there, maybe because I was holding a baseball bat. I don't know. My boys were pitching. I was, I was sitting there hitting. They, they, they hit this house. And Isaiah's looking at me like, Dad, they're coming. We're next. Here they come. You know, I'm sitting there holding the bat. You know, I hadn't thought about that until just now. That's why they didn't stop. I was holding the bat. And they just kept walking. And they stopped at the next house. And I was kind of upset. Do they not think I'm worthy of being a Jehovah's Witness? But get this, if they had stopped there and they'd won my neighbor to their, to their religion and, and, and say my neighbor says, okay, I, I'm in. I'm, I'm all in. Tell me what to do. Tell me how to live. They've now made a lost man into a religious lost man who thinks he's going to heaven and he's not. He's a two-fold son, son of hell now. And then the next neighbor, and the next neighbor, it could be a, a Jehovah's Witness, it could be a, a Mormon. If they're converted, they didn't find God, they're not going to heaven, they got religion, but they're still lost. Now we can amen. This happens in churches. Some Christians evangelize a lot. And I love their zeal. But sometimes I hate the disciples they make. Their goal is to get as many people saved as possible. Walk an aisle, raise a hand, say a prayer, sign a card. And they'll get all kinds of people up the aisle, at the altar. Kids, you know, numbers just going through the roof. And they'll post it on Facebook that 6,000 people got saved. And they'll stand there and say, now you're going to heaven. And now you know God. And now you're right. And now now you're good. And and they'll send them out. They've taken Jesus. Going to heaven when they die. And you're out of here. Adios. And you've got a multitude of people walking out of church that has the assurance that they're saved. That they're going to heaven. And they walk out the doors and they keep living how they've always been living. They've gotten religion in the church. But that's about all they've gotten. And in many cases, what just happened? We've, we've seen it here. And in many cases when those numbers come and those, those, those people, we, we've seen it. And, and when you look at them and you assure them you've gotten forgiveness and you're going to heaven and, and you're, you're right with God because you did this and because you did that, because you checked the box, because of all these things, and you send them out there. And I've talked to these people on a regular basis. I'll say, are you saved? Yes. Why? Because a preacher told me in Bible school I was. Well, I see how you live. You say, Josh, you're being judgmental. It's not my job to judge. It's my job to test the fruit. That's Bible. And you talk to these people and they say, yes, I'm saved. I'm right with God. I'm going to heaven. Let me see your life. They live like twofold sons of hell. You say, Mother's Day sermon, right? <laughs> and you ask them, and they say, I was saved years ago. I was baptized years ago. Preacher told me. Preacher might have just shut the door on heaven to you and made you two-fold son of hell. 
Because it says hypocrites make children of hell. But you know what real Christians do? We don't make children of hell. We make children of God. We put forth the effort just like they do. We want to have that zeal, that evangelistic zeal, where we want to, we, we, we would go anywhere and do anything to reach as many people as we possibly can. And if God allows, and if God is gracious, and we reach just one, and that would, that, that would be a, amazing just to get, get one right with Him. But we don't stop there. Because it's not our job, Matthew 28, to make converts. It's our job to make disciples. I'm not trying to make people like me. I'm not trying to make people like us. I don't want you to be like me. My job and our job as Christians is to make people like Him. That's what we want. That's our goal. We want people, that's, a, that's our whole purpose for being the church. Is that we don't want to make more hypocrites. We want true life change from the heart working its way out. That's why we preach the gospel. That's why we teach the Bible the way we do. That's why on, on Mother's Day, we, we're not just a Mother's Day sermon. We're going verse by verse and, and line by line and chapter by chapter. And sometimes we're just, just a, a dot by dot. Because we want to, to teach you the Bible so that you can get formed within you like Jesus Christ. That's what we want. That, that's what we're after. A heart change. But I, I love Galatians 4.19. Paul said, I labor. I work until, until I see Christ formed within you. His whole life's mission was to see Christ formed in His people. Not to make converts, that's one thing, but to make true children of God. That's what we want. We want people who walk like Christ. We want people who talk like Christ. We want people who are like Jesus Christ. That's what we're making in the church. We're not making twofold sons of hell who make a profession and go out and live like hellions, like, like heathens, like they always did. Those are hypocrites you're making. That's why the church struggles today because we're making hypocrites in the church. I go to church on Sunday, live like hell on Monday. Hypocrite, hypocrite, woe is you. We want to make people look like Christ. How do you do that? Consistent week after week feeding them the Word of God. That's how Christ is formed in us. That's how we change that's something a hypocrite can't say. Get this. I'm not what I should be. I'm not what I want to be. But I'm not what I used to be either. And I'm not what I will be in the future. Because I'm pressing on. I love that old song. I'm pressing on the upward way. New heights I'm gaining every day. Still gaining as... Lord, set my feet on higher ground. That's a Christian. A true Christian says, I'm becoming more like my Savior every day. And if you're not, in the way you think, in the way you talk, in the way you live, in the way you put one foot in front of the other, in the way you respond to people, then you might be a hypocrite. I think next week we might talk about that. The old... You might be a hypocrite if. Not redneck, hypocrite. And here's one already. If you're not growing to be more like Christ, and it's not forming within you, you might be a hypocrite. 
It's not changing your actions. I'm not saying anybody's perfect. That's not what we want here. That's not what we're after. We'll never be perfect. But if you're not growing every, maybe not every day, maybe a week, maybe a month, if you've not seen any growth in yourself since you've made a profession of faith and you're still living exactly the way you've always lived, since you walked the aisle and you said a prayer and you got into the baptistry, then you might be a hypocrite. We want constant and consistent Growth in becoming like Christ. And I'm not going to stop preaching. (laughs) You guys know this. Until Christ is formed in every single one of you. Until you can walk out of this this church and people will look at you and say, they're not what they used to be. They're different than what they used to be. They're becoming more, not like their preacher, not like their church. They're becoming more and more like the one they say they follow. And that is what we are. We don't make twofold sons of hell. We make true followers of Jesus Christ. That's what a real church will do. A fake church, a hypocritical church, is just producing more hypocrites. You've got a hypocrite up here, you've got a hypocrite here, and the, all the converts you bring into the church, new hypocrite, new hypocrite, new hypocrite. Everybody's faking it, everybody's pretending, everybody shows up on Sunday just to play a game. It's like my kids, let's play pretend. What do you want to pretend? Emma does that with me. I don't know how to pretend anymore. She'll give me a little, a little, she's got a Play-Doh set of food yesterday. She's like, Dad, what do you want to eat? I said, I want a real hamburger, not (laughs) Play-Doh. And you have to pretend, you know. She'll say, Dad, here, this is a hamburger. And here's you a a milkshake. And and here's you a a cup of coffee. Dad, I know know you love coffee. And you have to sit there and you know, oh, this is so good. And you have to play. Do you understand that there's a lot of people that come to church on Sundays and all they're doing is playing pretend? They're living out there like they want to and doing whatever they want to and watching whatever they want to and saying whatever they want to, sleeping with whoever they want to, whatever they want to out there. Then they walk in here and it's like, let's play church today. You hypocrite. Not my words, his words. You're a child of hell. That's what you are. We ought to be becoming more of a child of God and less of a child of hell. Not saying we're perfect. We ought to be becoming more like Christ every single day. So I'm going to close. And I'm going to give you two things. I want to give you a prayer. And I want to give you a plea. And I want to stop and I want to pray this. And I want you to pray it with me. The prayers for believers here today. If you've heard this and you've found in yourself a little bit of any of this hypocrisy, John Flavel, an old Puritan, said this, and I may, I may throughout this entire study, I may pr- pray this every time for myself. Oh, for a better heart. Oh, for a heart to love God more. Oh, for a heart to hate sin more. Oh, to walk more honestly with God. That's a great prayer. Now it's to be on every single one of our hearts today. Oh, for a better heart. Oh, to love God more. Oh, to hate sin more. Oh, God, help me to walk honestly before you. Help me to be the real deal. I want to stop and pray that for us right now. We're not done. Don't pack your stuff up. Let, let, let's pray this. Let's bow our heads and we'll pray it together.
Oh God, give us a better heart. We don't want to be religious hypocrites. Give us a better heart. Please, rid us of any of this. Jesus said, beware of the leaven of hypocrisy, of the Pharisees. That it can get inside of our lives and our church and it could spread like wildfire. Oh, for a better heart. Oh, God, let us love you more. Oh, God, let us hate our sin more. Oh, let us walk honestly with you. God, rid us of any hypocrisy. Let us be the real deal. In Jesus' name, amen. And second, there's a plea. If you've come here today, and I don't know, I don't know. If you've come here today, maybe somebody's logged online, and you've come looking for answers. You've come searching for God. You've come wanting forgiveness. Maybe that's you here today. I don't know. I don't know what you're looking for. I don't know why you're here. I hope you're not here to play pretend. I hope you're genuinely searching for answers. I hope you're genuinely seeking God and you, and you want you forgiveness and you want to you go to heaven when you die. If that's you, then let me say this. I'm not going to close the door on you. I want to open it wide open and say, here is Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. He's the only way that any of us will ever get to heaven. It's not our goodness. It's not our morals. It's not our religion. It's not what we do on Sunday. It's my faith in Jesus Christ. He's the only way of salvation. And if you want to be saved today, if you want answers, if you want forgiveness, if you want to go to heaven, if you want to be right with God, put your faith in Jesus Christ today. It's the only way. The door is wide open. I got the key and and His name is Jesus Christ. I love that. He is the way, the truth, and the life. You don't have to look anywhere else. Here He is. So let's pray again for those who are unbelievers here today. And there is someone here that they need to put their faith in Jesus. Let's pray and we'll be closed. Father, if it be Your will, draw someone here to Yourself. We we may not have went over land and sea to, to make one convert, but we have worked hard here. We've studied, we've prayed, we've gathered. We want to see one saved today. We do. We want to see them saved from a child of hell and to become a child of God. So God, please, if it be Your will, by Your Spirit, through the preaching of Your Word, draw someone to Yourself. And may they put their faith in You for the very first time today. I know You can. I know know You will. It's what you do. Your arms are wide open to save. You love to invite sinners to yourself. And when they come, you wrap your arms around them and receive them. So may today, God, you please save someone. Work in their hearts. We thank you, God, for the time in your word. And I believe that it will produce exactly what you've set it out to do. It won't return void. And we ask and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.